Okay, let's open our Bibles today to Psalm 100, please. Psalm 100. I love this psalm. I remember memorizing this psalm in the sixth grade of public school, believe it or not. Those days before the Bible was outlawed. <laughs> and uh, I still remember this great psalm. And uh, I think certainly it's a good psalm to memorize, young or old. But uh, we'd like to bring a message on this psalm. You notice the title says, A Psalm of Praise. This is the only psalm with that title. Although many of the psalms, of course, contain praise, but this one here, I think, is entirely uh, one of praise. God is praised from the beginning to the end of this psalm, and all the earth is called upon to join in that praise, and I hope we'll be able to do that today. Psalm 100, verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you for the Word of God, Lord, for another privilege to preach. Oh God, how you uh, know the need today, and I pray that you would help me to be able to be a blessing, to be a help to these that have gathered here to worship you. May we enter a true spirit of worship. I pray the Spirit of God to direct our thoughts and our words, and Lord, that you just get the glory. Speak to every heart. Do that that needs to be done, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I want to bring a message on why we should be thankful. Uh, this, of course, is a psalm of thanksgiving, and we're entering in the thank, Thanksgiving season. Let me just give you an outline, not the outline I'll use in the message, but... Uh, we have adoration in verse number 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Uh, the uh, joyful noise there signifies a glad shout as in the presence uh, of a king. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, when they have the conventions, the Republican convention, Democratic convention, and the nominee for that particular party it comes on the scene, they always burst forth into applause, and, and they go on and on and on. And uh, sometimes I think a little too much, but uh, they're proud of their leader, and, and uh, that's the idea. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So we have adoration. We have approach in verse number 2. Come before his presence with singing. We have acknowledgment in verse 3 of who God is. We have access in verse number 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. Then we have affirmation in verse number 5. Uh, but I want us to deal with the why we should be thankful. One other point is that this 
psalm is prophetic in the sense that it is prophetic of the millennial reign of Christ. That that is commanded in, in, uh, for you and I will be fully realized in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question, why should we be thankful? I didn't say what. You know, when we think of what we should be thankful for, and we ought to do that, uh, you know, we can make a long list and certainly not uh, list all the things that we ought to be thankful for. But why should we be thankful? First of all, because of who the Lord is. Verse number three, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Now, you have Lord here in all capital letters. When you find that in the Bible, it's referring to Jehovah, the personal name of God. The word Jehovah means the self-existent one. And, uh, you know, that can only be said about God. We are dependent creatures. Uh, every, every part of creation is dependent upon the Lord. God does not need man. Man needs God. Uh, God was there before the earth was here, before there were angels, before there was the sun, the moon, and the stars, before there was anything, there was God. He is Jehovah, the Redeemer. And then we have God, a capital G and small zero and D, and this refers to uh, His uh, being the strong one, the creator. Uh, We have the Hebrew Elohim, and you have that in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God did not use evolution. You know, I have more respect for an out-and-out evolutionist than I do a theistic evolutionist. And the theistic evolutionist says that, that God used evolution. God does not need evolution. Uh, he is God. He is the strong one. He is the creator. Jesus was God. Jesus, said, Jesus spoke to the stormy sea, and the sea obeyed him. It didn't take, it didn't take a millennium. It happened immediately. And when God created the earth and heavens, he, he did it in six literal days and rested the seventh. Now I want you to turn your Bible to Acts 17, and we'll look at a few verses there from Paul's sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 22. The Bible says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and says, You men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you really worship him, declare I unto you. Now many years ago when I was in Greece, they took us to Mars Hill and to the Acropolis there uh, where they had the remains of this idol temple. And the the, uh, tour guide said that that they had 5,000 gods in this, in this temple. And uh, they had this, every time she, uh, I believe it was the lady tour guide, if I remember right, uh, said every time someone would come up with a new god, they'd make a, an image of that god. And they had this particular image just in case they left anybody out to the unknown god. So nobody would be offended. So... 
if we have, don't have your God here, then this is the unknown God, and this is what Paul uses uh, to bring his message. Now it goes on in verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now here's his creative act. Neither is worship of men's hands. As though he needed anything. Here we have the truth about who he is, that he's Jehovah. Uh, he is the self-existent one. And he says, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. We were able to get up out of bed this morning and still breathing and still living and enjoy God's earth and live on God's earth because of the Lord. Your heart would not beat one more time unless God told it to beat. He is, he is in control of everything. Now, he says, uh, some, you know, I, I used to, uh, used to kind of believe that when God created everything, that, uh, that he just kind of set everything up in motion, and it just kind of runs automatically. But that's not the way it is. The Bible says, by him do all things consist. And uh, so, not only did he create it, but he operates it. The Bible said not a sparrow falls to the ground, but what he knows about it. He numbers the hairs of our head. That tells me that God is involved in the details of his creation. It's a pretty great God, isn't he? <laughs> you know, to be able to handle all that. <laughs> well, he is great. He gives to all life breath and all things made of one blood. All nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. So we have our dependence upon the Lord. Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, we find what man has done in response to that. In Romans, chapter 1, and uh, verse uh, 21, verse uh, 18 through 20, talks about God's re re revealing himself to man through the invisible things of creation. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And notice what happened. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God in, into an image, made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Now here, a man makes an image to God like a man. But then it, it goes down from there till it ends up creeping things. God's someone you can just trample on. Well, I'll tell you, he's not that at all. We need to realize that. We ought to be thankful because of the Lord and because of who God is. He is the creator and uh, the redeemer as well. We see that also in verse 3. We not only should be thankful because of who the Lord is, but we ought to be thankful for his work of salvation. The Bible said, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. 
It is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. How did we get here? We got here because God put us here. And we're here for a purpose. And I think the most important thing is to know God, first of all, to know Him as Savior, to know Him as Lord, and then, Lord, what is your purpose? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And help me fulfill that purpose. And you know, it's tragic to say, I'm afraid many people will come to the end of life and realize they missed the whole purpose of God for their life. You know, Paul said, I, I'm ready to be offered time my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. He could say, Lord, I've done what you left me here to do. And I'm ready to go. That ought to be the way it is. Now, we ought to thank him for his creative act. He put us here. And then he says, we're his people, and the sheep of his pasture. He not only created us the first time, but he created us the second time. You say, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible tells us that uh, in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So I, I, I'm, to, I'm to offer thanksgiving to the Lord because he created us. I'm to offer thanksgiving to the Lord because of his salvation. He created me again, anew, after we fell in Adam. Now the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, there's a couple of verses I want us to look at there. Romans chapter 6, verse number 17 and 18. Of Romans 6, he says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So what are we to thank God for? We're to thank God for his deliverance in salvation. And then also in the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 1, and verse number 12 through 14. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so he's talking about our salvation, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness, Romans said, sin shall not have dominion over you. If you're a child of God, you've been set free from sin's dominion. Doesn't mean we never sin, but it means we're no longer dominated and controlled by sin. He's delivered us from that dominion and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. How's that accomplished? The redemptive work of the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And thank God, isn't it wonderful to know your sins are forgiven? The work of salvation, that I no longer owe a debt to God. I no longer am indebted because of my sin. And the reason I'm not, because someone paid my debt for me. And that's the only way. There's only two options. Either pay for your sin yourself, 
or accept the payment of someone else. And I couldn't pay your sin debt because I couldn't pay my own, much less yours. And, you know, I like the story where, uh, where it talks about, uh, uh, is, it, is it the ten talents and the hundred talents? But anyway, one owed ten times as much as the other. And he says they, they had nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both. And that's what the Lord does for us. His work of salvation, his sacrifice, his payment for the sins of the world. So we ought to be thankful because of who the Lord is. We ought to be thankful for his work of salvation. But not only that, we ought to be thankful because it's the way to worship. In verse number 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now here we're encouraged to come. I think Brother Thomason mentioned in Sunday school that that's the way we worship. That's a part of worship is thanksgiving. We want to come with thankful hearts. And, uh, uh, you know, the right of our approach to earthly kings or earthly monarchs are carefully guarded. If you went to Washington and uh, you went to see the White House, you say, I come to see the president. I don't think you'll get to see him. <laughs> they say, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, he's busy or whatever. He's gone. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, there's not many people uh, have that kind of access and uh, are to any other king or in, in, into any other leader. But you can access the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, I can go, I can, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't have to have an appointment. You know, I can call night or day. And he picks, up the, he picks up the phone, so to speak. And it doesn't matter how many other people on the line. I know during the UPS strike, uh, there's about uh, 7,000 or so schools that use the AC curriculum. And, uh, you know, people's calling me and they're saying, uh, we, need, we need help, what do we do? I said, join the crowd. Uh, we're all in the same boat and... And usually if you try to get through to headquarters, uh, you know, you get an answering service and they'll, they'll say someone will be with you. Your, your call will be answered in the order in which it was received. So you don't know when, which it was received. You may wait 10 minutes. You may wait 30 minutes. But during the UPS strike, you couldn't even get through the switchboard. <laughs> you get a busy signal. But you know, it isn't like that when you need the Lord, is it? Thank God for that. He can, handle every, he can handle millions of calls at the same time. And we have access by faith into this grace, the Bible tells us. It's the way to worship. Why don't you look at Psalm 95? I love this psalm. And he says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. There it is. Make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. So when we approach God, we're to come before him with thanksgiving. And uh, you know, how would you feel? How would you feel if, uh, uh, you know, if, if you helped someone out and, 
and uh, they just they just receive that with ever saying thank you, and and uh, uh, they come back the next week and say I need more help, and you helped them the next week and they never said thank you, and and uh, but they just kept coming back for more. It's kind of like children, isn't it? <laughs> kind of like when I was growing up, you know. Mom put it on the table, and I just sit down and eat it, and uh, never thought about saying thank you. <laughs> I should have, but uh, you know we treat the Lord many times like that, don't we? I mentioned in the opening, someone suggested that uh, well to have well to have instead of a day of Thanksgiving, well to have a day of griping and complaining, and 364 days of Thanksgiving. You know what we have? We've got 364 days of griping and complaining and one day of Thanksgiving. I think we'll turn it around, don't you? But it's the way to worship. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And when we, when we enter the presence of God, we shall always enter his presence with thanksgiving. And if we don't do that, I don't think we're obeying the scripture. And... Uh, uh, you know, we ought to ask God for things, and I, I've preached on that, that, uh, you know, I kind of grew up with the attitude that uh, you shouldn't always be asking the Lord for something. Oh, yes, you should. And don't listen to these preachers try to make you feel bad because you're always asking for something. The Bible said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receive. And in John 16, he said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive. The Lord said, I do want you to ask. But with that in mind, with that in mind, we should always come with thanksgiving. As we're doing all this asking for things, when God does those things, when we, when we come back before the Lord, we'll say, Lord, now I want to thank you for this and thank you for that. I asked you for this yesterday or last week. And Lord, I want to thank you for doing this and this and this and this. I want to thank you. And not wait till Thanksgiving to do it. <laughs> but we ought to do it all the time, right? Yes, we ought to do it all the time. And uh, I hope you thank God for your food. You say, well, Lord didn't have anything to do with providing that food. Is that right? That food grew somewhere, and somebody had to make it rain. Somebody had to send the sunshine. Somebody had to cause it to grow. You say, well, that cow didn't grow. Well, that cow ate grass that grew. <laughs> so everything's dependent upon the Lord. And when we bow, we all sit down in a meal. I don't care where it's at, if it's at the house or in the restaurant or whatever. We ought to bow our head and say, thank you, Lord. And what we're doing, we're recognizing that God sent it to us. And we ought to always come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. I like that. He is great. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Well, here he tells us it all belongs to him. I was listening to a tape by Mac Hodge, and he was, he was telling about being in revival somewhere. 
and uh, he was driving by down the road, and, and he saw this service tree. How many know what services are? Some of you do. It's been a long time since I've ate any of those. So, so he stopped and going to get him some of those services. Said there's a big sign posted. <laughs> Don't enter this land, whatever. So he said, I was afraid to get in. And said that night I told about it in the, in the uh, message at the beginning of the service. And, and he said I, said, I went to get me. I saw this service tree and said, I went to get some. And said some rascal <laughs> had posted and said, keep off. Don't, don't step on this land. He said, now when that man dies, I want him to go out there and jerk that big service tree up by the roots and take it with him. <laughs> he, he said he didn't know the fellow was in the church. <laughs> and uh, uh, He said the fellow, fellow come to him that night and said, said, I, said, said uh, that, that's my land, my tree. He said, no, wait a minute. That's not mine either. It's God's. <laughs> He got him straightened out. That's what this is saying here. He says, you go get all you want. <laughs> he said, if you don't want to go get them, I'll go pick them for you. But uh, he said, the sea is his, and the earth is his, and the dry land, it's all God's. We're just tenants upon it, you know that? And when we're gone, someone else will have it. Before we got here, someone had it before we got If you ever thought about everybody that lived on this earth 200 years ago, they're gone. They're all gone. Every last one of them's gone. And most of what they built and, and, and lived for, most of that's gone. Sometimes you're out in the woods and, and you run up on a, an old house or something that's falling down and you, you think, well, at one time there was a family lived here. At one time, someone worked and labored and, and toiled and sweated to build this house, but now look at it. They're gone, and the house is gone. Everything's gone. And that's what's going to happen to yours and mine. It all belongs to God. We're living in the land of the dying, but thank God we're headed to the land of the living. <laughs> that's what I like. Well, let me go on. He says... Uh, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And, and that, that true worship will create that, that desire in your heart. When you really worship, you feel like just falling before the Lord. That's the way I feel when I truly worship. And uh, he said, for he is our God. And we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you hear his voice. I've underlined our there, for he is our God. I'll tell you, uh, that's, that's, that's important. Not that he's just God, but he's our God. I'm glad he's personal. Now you have the story in Luke 17. I'll not turn there for the sake of time. But in Luke 17 you have the story of the ten lepers that were healed. And the Lord told them, uh, they cried out and said, Have mercy on us. And he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And while they're on the way, they're cleansed of the leprosy. And one comes back and falls before the Lord. And thanks God for it. And the Lord Jesus says, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where's the nine? 
Is that, is that the percentage that the Lord gets, about 10% really, really worship? I wonder, I wonder in the average church service if, uh, how many people really worship? People come and, and uh, sing the songs and, and go through the service and, and, uh, and the, song, the songs ought to be songs of the heart. You know, I don't think we even ought to sing the song unless we mean it. Uh, but uh, we, ought to, we ought to enter the message of the psalm. And, and Brother David is talking about that in Sunday school, uh, about the, the different types and the bif- different categories of, uh, of, of songs. They want to enter into that message and into that praise and into that worship. And if we don't, what are we doing? You know, what is, what is it about? If we're just making noise, what good is it? If we don't really enter into the spirit of the thing. Uh, of course, he sung Amazing Grace. Everybody around here knows that's my favorite. <laughs> Man, I never get tired of it. I mean, you can sing it every service you want to. Uh, I like that song uh, because it expresses what God did for me. And so we ought to worship. We ought to, it's the way to worship. Why should we be thankful? Because it's the way to worship. And you're not going to worship unless you're thankful. And Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. And if you're not thankful, you say, I'm not thankful, then you worry. Guarantee you. Because he says, be careful for nothing, worry about nothing, but in everything with supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You know the best thing for worry? Just start thanking God. Just, just, just begin to thank God for everything you can think of. Thank God for this and thank God for that. After a while, after a while, you'll, you'll realize you're so blessed you don't have nothing to worry about. After a while, your mind and your thoughts will be on the thankfulness and the goodness of God rather than on the trouble and the worry. If you read that scripture, it's wonderful medicine for worry, the best I've ever found. So it's the way to worship. Then let me move on quickly. I need to hurry and get through here. Number five, want to be thankful because God is worthy of thanks. He is worthy of thanks. He said, for the Lord is good. Isn't that true? The Lord is good. You say, well, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Well, if you read that in the context, Jesus isn't denying he's God, but he's simply bringing out the fact, are you calling me God? If, if I'm God, I'm good, but if I'm not God, I'm not good. The Lord is good. And James said, every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father. And all things work together for good. Now, it may not look good initially, but I tell you, God doesn't do anything wrong. The Lord is good. That's his very essence. And he said, his mercy is everlasting. I looked these scriptures up. I'm not going to look them up now. First Chronicles 16, 34, Psalm 106, 1, 107, 1, 118, 1, verse 29, Psalm 118, 136, 1. And each time it says, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His mercy, when it talks about the goodness of God, and, and in combination with that is the mercy of God. You know why God can extend mercy? Because he's good. 
The Bible says God is love. Didn't say God loves. God is love. We're, we're commanded to love. Love God, to love our neighbors, ourselves. But God is love. There's a difference. And out of his love and out of his goodness flows forth his mercy. Mercy is not getting that we do deserve. I think it was Oliver Green who said there was something he thanked God far more than his salvation. He said that God didn't let me die and go to hell when I was a drunken bum, stealing from my own daddy. God didn't let me die and go to hell. God had mercy on me until I could be saved. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We all deserve hell this morning. But we didn't, we're not in hell because of mercy, not because of our own goodness, because of God's mercy. And grace, grace is receiving that we don't deserve. None of us deserve grace, but we got it, didn't we? The grace of God. And so he is worthy of thanks. Uh, so as long as we are recipients of the mercy of God, we're to give thanks to God. The Bible said in Romans 2, 4, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. In the book of Revelation, he talks about those Great judgments, those great plagues will come upon the earth. You think, you think that brings people repentance? The Bible said they still blaspheme God. Uh, people say, oh boy, I'll tell you, what we need is bad times. What we need is trouble in America. That'd surely bring America repentance. I don't think it would. The goodness of God leads men to repentance, the Bible says. And then we ought to be thankful because of his word. The last part of verse 5, his truth endureth to all generations. Thank God his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 12, 7, Thy shall keep them, O Lord. Thy shall preserve them from this generation forever. Thank God for the word of God. Aren't you glad God put it in writing? I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to believe what I say or anyone else says. God put it in writing. You check it out. You check it out. It's in the book. It's in writing. And the Bible said they search the Scriptures daily whether those things were so, those in the book of Acts there. And that's what we ought to do, especially in this day. Boy, you turn on television and radio, you can hear anything, can't you? <laughs> you better check it out. You better make sure it's, 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 it's in the Word of God. In fact, in fact, most of them, you can't even tell they're reading the Bible. <laughs> you know, don't even sound like the Bible. They've reversed it and revised it and everything else. They don't even sound like the Bible. But thank God we have the Bible. We have the written Word of God, and God put it in writing. And that, you know, that is even more trustworthy. You say, well, if the Lord, if the Lord came himself, if the Lord would appear to me, if he had sent an angel, I'd believe it. You know, in Peter there, he talks about, Peter talks about his experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he talks about how, you know, they heard the voice from heaven and, and uh, uh, the, the Father speaking there and, and that great experience. But he goes on and says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He said, we got something more trustworthy than that. I'll tell you, this Bible is more trustworthy than if God sent an angel himself 
And, and uh, of course, you know, people talk about seeing those things. You better be careful. But uh, uh, it is more dependable, more trustworthy than visions or dreams or angels or anything else. You better make sure your faith is anchored in what it ought to be, and that's this book, the Word of God. That's, that's where it needs to be anchored. If it's anchored there, it's sure. It's a sure foundation, and it'll not fail you. I remember Brother Johnson when he was dying. One of the last things he said to me as I talked to him, and uh, uh, he said, it looks like, you know, looks like God's going to take me home. And uh, uh, he said, and tears in his eyes, and he raised his hand, and he said, I'm trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, brother, it will not fail you. It'll not fail you. And it won't. It didn't fail him. It won't fail you. And so the Lord says his truth endureth to all generations. I like the battle hymn of the Republic. Phrase in there that says, Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. And you know the truth will march on when everything else fails you. The truth of God is marching on. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As we approach this season of the year, not only at this time of the year, but throughout the year, may we realize some of the things we're, why we should be thankful. Let's bow our heads, please.